welcome to the Star Trek Discovery Flashcast that does not have a catchy Star Trek name yet, but it, one will come to me. Uh, I am joined today, oh well, first I'm Scott McKelty, and I'm joined uh, by Brianna Wu. Brianna, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Love to talk Star Trek. Who doesn't? And speaking of a man <laughs> who loves Star Trek, which we actually weren't, Jason Snell has joined me yet again. Jason, welcome I want, aboard. I want to answer that I don't, but I do. I do. That would be a lie. I do like talking Star Trek, I swear. <laughs> don't want any of your lies, Jason. No. This this is not we a actually, lie. We I'm, actually had a congressional fundraiser last night mm. about Star Trek. Like We put out a whole fundraiser, and I invited a bunch of people to come watch Star Trek and then to donate money. Like for my campaigns, it was awesome. It was like this wonderful merging of politics and Star Trek. So it was great. I hope you didn't give your donors the Vulcan hello. (laughs) (laughs) See, I worked it back in there. Ah, I see. That's that's what we call a recurring joke. That's good. That's good. Yay! Or maybe actually, I think we might have just found the title of the podcast. Excellent. But this episode uh, that we are talking about is the second episode of Star Trek Discovery, the second new Star Trek episode in a decade. Very exciting. Really felt like uh, it was should have been aired as one long episode, but we could talk about that. Uh, the episode called Battle at the Binary Stars, uh, which from the title you can guess they are still at the Binary Stars, and there was a battle. Uh, so before we jump into it... I'm going to do a little a little uh, wacky thing and ask uh, both of you your your impressions of the episode. Uh, Brianna, what did you think of this episode? Uh, actually, hold on. My Skype is being a little bit yeah, buggy. Mine I'm too. closing some processes. Mine too. I think maybe Scott had a, had a network Oh, great. Thing. Well, it's all fine now. I had a network um, thing. So, yeah, my impressions of it, uh, I thought it was not as strong a start as the first one. Like, for the first episode, I was really literally on the edge of my seat the entire time. Um, you know, this kind of followed... Uh, you know, a different formula for Star Trek, right? Like for the opening shows, like it usually uh, kind of opens with what the big setup is going to be on the the new starship itself. This one was more like going into the character's backstory. It happened over a lot of flashbacks and um, it was kind of putting the lead character in a life or death situation. So I thought it was a really, really strong setup to Star Trek, but it also was not as enjoyable as the first episode. Excellent. Jason, yeah, thoughts it's, on... It's part two. I mean, it is definitely part two, even though it's got a different director and all that. It, 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 it By the end, I think we got the sense that this is the prologue. This is the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the twist here is that the way that the show we never saw, which is Star Trek Shinjo, um, which <laughs> ran for seven years, right? I mean, they were there for seven years. It was great. <laughs> um, but it ended badly for Captain Georgiou in this episode. But, you know, it, it turns out the show that we think we're watching... I think the intent of this story is not the show we're watching. We're actually watching the catastrophic and colossal failure of our main <laughs> character. And mm-hmm. the rest of the show seems to be about uh, her seeking redemption for this terrible, the, the terrible choices she makes in, in the premiere, which is an interesting way to start your, you know, two hour premiere of your series to, to uh, I, I'm intrigued by it all, but it's really interesting. And I agree with Brianna, the second hour, not as strong as the first, but um, that's, I, you know, it had to do the job of actually concluding the story, which is always a harder job than than uh, than starting it off and having you get excited that there's new Star Trek. It's 
true. You have to stick the landing. Uh, and I guess they did. Oh, I, though I will say the ending. So I, I figured oh. when they, you know, the first episode has a, a, a dramatic ending cliffhanger there. Uh, all the Klingon ships show up. You go, oh no, what's going to happen? Uh, and I thought, how could they top this ending? Uh, and then they topped the ending uh, because it did not end the way I thought it would. Which Ooh. is, uh, we could just, just, one assumes if you're listening to this, you've already watched episode two of Star Trek Discovery. If you have not, uh, and you want to continue listening, uh, she gets court-martialed at the end. So there you go. I spelled it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many episodes of Star Trek have we seen where, you know, the, the, a character on the show, like, disregards orders and everything turns out fine and any, like, they got harsh talking to by someone in authority? Like, they really threw the book at this woman. And, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting scene because they're all the Federation, you know, judges, like, they're shot in black, like, you can't see their faces. It's really dire. I've never seen anything like it in a Star Trek before. Um, so I, I just thought it was gripping because I'd never seen consequences like this. And she and it reminded it, me, you know, she does own it. Yeah. She is. She says she's guilty. Yeah, she she cops to it because she is in fact guilty. Oh yeah. <laughs> I did think it was we. My I have a couple of quibbles with this episode. Uh, one of them being the the setup of the Star Trek uh, or the Starfleet Tribunal. It seems very strange that it would be in a very dark room uh, that apparently is smoky for some reason. <laughs> uh, shadow shadow on the faces, so you can't yes, really see who they are. That seems weird to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, minor quibbles. It was very dramatic, of course, because they, they knew that this big moment was going to happen. But why start at the end when one should start at the beginning? Uh, the beginning being the quick kind of recut of the last maybe two minutes of the first episode uh, where it reestablishes that uh, uh, Burnham and has disobeyed orders and uh, is, has, uh, is about to fire on the Klingons and out comes uh, Captain George with her phaser until belays the order uh, and, and uh, Burnham explains what she's doing um, and uh, lots of Klingon ships show up and you think well clearly Burnham was right she'll probably stay on the bridge everyone will be happy but Captain Georgie <laughs> is, not, is not that kind of captain and she says uh, nope. go to the brig security take her to the brig and that's what they do <laughs> Which I thought was great. <laughs> what you should do. It's actually what you should do if you're one of your people on your staff tries to knock you out and, and take over the ship. You should probably yeah. send them to the brig. But what a brig it is because it's a force field and she's really lonely. Um, oh. And uh, if we want to, if we want to go to that part of the the story, Scott, that that's she's lonely, and then the guy with the head injury uh. comes in to talk to her instead of going to sick bay, and he's <laughs> he just and he's blown out into space by when, he is. when, when the, uh, the Shenzhou is is hit by Klingon phaser fire. It's very sad. So yeah, we get we get a little uh, Klingon uh, tete a tete on uh, the sarcophagus ship. I don't know what they're calling this ship now, the cathedral ship. I've heard many things. Uh, and all he's gathered all the twenty four Klingon houses. Right? They have a little uh, teleconference. Uh, everybody's yeah. hanging out. Uh, <laughs> he says, "I'm Kalis, reborn. Uh, my prophecies are coming true." The Klingons are like one Klingon dude is like ah. You screw this noise. I'm out of here. Everybody else, come with me. You're with me, right, guys? And they're all like, eh, we want to hear more. Uh, and uh, what is his name? I want to call him Takumva, but that is not his name. Takumva uh, says, look, uh, look at the stars. My prophecy comes true. And then all of the uh, Starfleet 
ships show up and there's a big fight and everybody's yeah. happy. Yeah. Uh, well, nobody's happy. A lot of people die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, compressing. I mean, something I think is so notable about this series is there's been so much talk about you know it being on CBS and having a paywall and all of that, and right there with the criticism. But something I think is so notable is like if you're looking at both the the Starfleet battle and also the bridge uh, the brig scene, you know <laughs> the cinematography there is better than any Star Trek movie I've ever seen. It's breathtaking. The colors are gorgeous. The camera angles, the costumes, the special effects, every bit of it is cinematography as good as I have ever seen it. And the amount of money that they are putting into this show really, really shows. And, you know, like we're talking about that brig scene. It is shot in such a beautiful way where you just see, um, you know, her and she's like looking out on the blackness of space and there's a ship right below it. Or if you're looking at the Klingon scene, like the little bit of like iridescence on the details of their armor, it's just, it's utterly gorgeous. I mean, do you guys feel that way? Yeah, you can see that. I mean, they spent money. I, I worry mm-hmm. that every episode will look cheaper until episode 15. <laughs> They're just in a cardboard box with, yeah. like, like throwing glitter at each other. But, yeah. uh, so I'm a little worried, but they, they brought... That. I mean, it's a combination, right? It's they spent money and also TV can do stuff that it couldn't yeah. do even when Enterprise was on in terms of special yeah. effects. And I will say, we did check in with our friend uh, Joe, who does this for yes. a living. And uh, and if you've heard Joe on podcasts, you know, he can be kind of kind of skeptical sometimes. And he said positive things about the work that they did in in, in, uh, in this. That these are, you know, even from somebody who's got a careful eye, these are pretty good TV special effects. They did a really good job. And I agree. It, it looked, I agree with you, Bree. Looked great. Uh, love seeing Star Trek look this good. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks fantastic. And I read somewhere on, on Twitter, actually is where I read it. I don't know if this is true or not, but the, someone said that <laughs> in the battle scene, there appear more Federation starships than in any uh, in, in the seven seasons of TNG, which I think is probably true. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're, you know, they're pulling out the stops. Uh, it's good. So yes, we're on the brig. Uh, it, Ensign Headwound joins <laughs> up and says, hey, he's confused because he's hit his head. He thinks he's in the sick bay. Uh, he doesn't know why Burnham's in the brig. Or actually, he thinks she's in the sick bay. She's like, what are you doing here? And then, uh, it's very sad, he uh, gets sucked into space and dies. And she's um, saved by her brig force field, which her, doesn't her go out. Because they build those bricks to last. Them. That's right. And then I guess more force fields appear around her. I don't, it wasn't quite clear to me, but it's very cool looking. And that's all that matters. Uh, honestly. Uh, and then, so yes, the, the, the battle is on. And I will say, no, this is just me, but, uh, they show the, uh, the two, you know, lines of the ships. The Klingons are hovering in one edge of space and the, the Federation's on the other side. Uh, and then battle is engaged and battle's engaged in a shot where one ship Fires like two lasers, <laughs> and I thought that's a little underwhelming. <laughs> Did anybody was anyone else underwhelmed by that particular scene, or is it just me being uh, overly critical? Uh, was, no, yeah, sorry, go it, ahead, Jason. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's some geography. Just start. There's some geography problems, like, um, but I think what we're taking is the Shenzhou very quickly like 
pivots away like mm-hmm. in an evasive pattern and then you see sort of like other it picks the battle picks up but it is you yes. know at the beginning i'm sort of like what am i seeing and exactly what's happening <laughs> but but then then it becomes just complete chaos and a disaster and and uh things are blowing up and that's good in the sense that you know you can see things are happening although i never really got a clear sense like later there's a line where the klingons say uh we have suffered many casualties but they have lost things too but a lot of it I didn't really see like specific things happening to specific ships. It was more like, you know, firing and explosions and running around. And, um, it was exciting, but I didn't, I didn't have a lot of specificity in the battle. It was other than what was happening to the Shenzhou, which is probably what they wanted. I just, I felt like if they were going to say we suffered many casualties, I would have liked to have seen like uh, a Klingon ship get blown up or something. And I didn't, I, I guess maybe I did see that, but it was hard for me to understand what I was seeing in some of the, some of the scenes. Yeah, yes, I definitely I agree with that. I mean, it's uh I I'm not going to say it's one of the best battle scenes I've ever seen. There's a there's a tendency in in movies nowadays that you can just I, I was noticing this when I was rewatching uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, which was one of the first like really big budget movies to come out when CGI went really mainstream. And they could just keep adding ships and keep adding robots until they just filled every bit of the screen. And yeah, I think one of the things that makes First Contact stand up so well is it's not that, right? Like everything there is a little bit more thought out. I think that this kind of had that tendency to be a little bit less realistic and a little bit more like cramming awesome Starfleet shots in every single thing that you see. And I know that I will go through that battle like frame by frame to like, yep. pick apart all the Star Trek like new ships design of the era. But I think overall it was it was an effective scene like showing the chaos there. But I do think it was going a little bit more towards movie Trek rather than TV track yes i i agree and i think that i i liked i it got exciting but i just thought the beginning was a little uh weird but uh that's just me little old me but while the the battle's going on it's not going well for the federation as we are told not really shown uh, it's not going well for the shen 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 how do you say it shen joe shen joe yeah i don't shen joe i don't know yeah. I, yeah. I apologize to everybody again yeah. i'm not gonna say it right um <laughs> we're so gonna it's not have going to well learn it before the next episode featuring the, oh no never mind anyway. <laughs> no we don't that's the upside i don't <laughs> have to learn how to say it again after the next episode uh this is when uh you know things are not looking well for burnham she's stuck in the the brig and uh she gets a long distance telepathic call from sarek <laughs> oh yeah which i found super annoying <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was really weird because he like says that when when he saved her when her parents were killed and she was attacked by mind melding with her he left a piece of his katra in her and therefore he can like make a, a an intergalactic uh, or interstellar uh, brain <laughs> phone mind. call yeah I don't just to tell her to keep trying <laughs> it seemed weird I, yeah I was really hoping she was just you know. I mean, maybe the the part that got me when he was like, oh, this is very difficult for me because I'm broadcasting from so far away. And I thought, why, why don't you just make it that she's got a little head, Sarek, who comes out to give mm-hmm. her a pep talk, mm-hmm. but it's just all in her own mind based on him touching her, her mind when she was a kid. But he then later, but, you know, the dialogue says, no, he's actually sending her <laughs> a telepathic message over a distance because he senses that she's in great danger or something. And that seemed a little weird. I like 
I like the performance. I, I think that the the Sarek is is pretty good, and uh, he's actually a lot less jerky than the one in in the original <laughs> series was. So um, I guess they wanted to make him more likable. Although you could argue that what they're really doing with the retcon here is saying that you know after he spurned Spock because Spock mm. went into Starfleet, he got this human. He was like, I can make you a better Vulcan than Spock was, and that he poured his <laughs> attention into her instead. I think that's what they're going for here. So so that's fascinating, but I don't know about the long distance brain call. Yeah, I saw it as I, I more of a, a plot device, you know, like I'm willing to let it go. Like the actors were so good and yeah. the focus was on like their emotion, emotional journey in that moment and her trying to process her failure that I was, yeah, I was willing to to let that um, go. I don't know if this is too much of a tangent to get into, but like the, the core of Star Trek has always been like the search for your own humanity, right? TOS had Spock and, you know, TNG had Data and, you know, Voyager had Seven of Nine. Right. Um, so now we're kind of getting reverse Spock, <laughs> you know, like it's the opposite of that, like a human raised in Vulcan culture, like trying to struggle the other way. In some ways, like the, the actor playing Michael Burnham is so unbelievably talented. Like she's just great. And I find myself just captivated by her emotional journey in every frame she's in. But I'm also kind of going like, I've seen this, this trip so many times and I wish they'd found another species to, to do this with. Does that make sense to y'all? Yeah, I mean, Vulcan, everybody's really captivated by Vulcans, and so they, they, they are doing this journey again. Well, and it's like literally, it's Spock's family, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think you're right, though. I think that the way that she portrays um, the character is it makes it okay to me because she's not quite the reverse Spock, right? I mean, that would have been the show if we had seen the seven se- seasons of Star Trek uh, Shenzhou, right? Because mm-hmm. that was her journey. Now she's sort of a more integrated person, um, but she's asking herself, like, obviously a lot of questions now about w- her decisions and her decision-making process. But, you know, they kind of jumped us to the end of her journey where, you know, when you first see her, she doesn't read like a Vulcan at all, even though she's got some Vulcan mannerisms to her. And then we see what, in this episode, we see what she was like when she first beamed on the ship. And she's yeah. total full-on Vulcan. And so I liked I like that we we aren't taking that journey with her. Like, she took the journey and we saw the, the beginning point and the end point. But... Like she's already seems pretty integrated, which yeah. I think is kind of fun. Like what what happens if a human? I mean, look, since the first season of the original series, Vulcans have been like catnip for Star Trek fans. Like that's why that <laughs> Journey to Babel episode exists is because Dorothy Fontana found out that that everybody loves Spock and wanted to know more about Vulcan, and so she wrote. And that episode I watched it yesterday. It is a download of like vulcan lore right and i feel like that you know this is the echo of that here which is yeah people love vulcan stuff so we'll we'll give them some vulcan stuff um yeah that's also this that's episode why... name checks tellarites and andorians mm-hmm. andorians so there's heavy mm-hmm. journey to babel uh uh, references going on here. They clearly watched the, that episode before writing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, they I think they pick Vulcans, obviously, because I think when you talk to uh, a person who is not a super Star Trek fan, they can name a few things about Star Trek. They can name <laughs> Spock. He's a Vulcan. They could probably name a Tribble. And, and Klingons. They, the writers, and Klingons, right? And the writers have already said though there will be Tribbles, so we have Tribbles to look forward oh, to. So, so we've got Tribbles, we've got Klingons, and we've got Vulcans. What more do you need? <laughs> 
now did we did I skip over uh the flash there are a couple flashbacks, so let's just talk about both of them together because I don't remember when they happened. Uh uh Burnham's flashbacks, she flashbacks to uh being in the Vulcan education pit, uh but it has been destroyed and bombed, uh which confused me because I wasn't sure uh when that happened. Uh I mean obviously it happened when she was a kid, and so that was I guess an act of Klingon terrorism. Uh but I thought that was uh but I guess her parents were destroyed in a Klingon attack and and then she suffered uh, in a Klingon terrorist bombing. Is I, that right? I assumed it was the same thing that she and her parents oh, were at maybe. the were at the Klingon uh, a Klingon human science center or uh, something like that. That, makes that more was sense. bombed by by the Klingons, and th- and that's where Sarek uh, like mind yep. melts with her and uh, and saves and, her life and, and leaves a deposit of his uh, katra there. A little katra shirt. Uh, yeah. Exactly. He says, you'll need this later. Uh, and uh, there's another uh, flashback where Jason mentioned where we see uh, seven years ago, it is kind of the pilot of uh, Star Trek Senjin, uh, where she arrives uh, with Sarek in tow, although Sarek doesn't stay for very long. And uh, Captain Georgiou, they meet and they have a little discussion uh, about, you know, Sarek is like, hey, here's uh, my Vulcan uh, human person. I'm dropping him off for unknown reasons, uh, I guess, so that she could be part of her own culture. Um, and uh, she's like, I'd rather be with the Vulcan exploration group. Uh, the captain says, well, you don't always get what you want. Uh, come along. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they have some witty... I really Let's talk about the relationship between Captain Georgiou and uh, Burnham, because I think it's really good. Uh, yeah. And I think this is probably... There'll probably be a few more flashbacks, I assume. Uh, and we'll see Captain... George, you. Oh, spoiler alert. She died at the end of this episode. Yeah. Um, I know it's probably bad that by second episode, I'm already wanting a spinoff, but like, I would a thousand <laughs> times watch like Star Trek Shenjo. Like, uh, that would be amazing. Like, Michelle Yeoh, I'm, I, I have to say, like, she's one of the most compelling starship captains I've ever seen. It's not because, you know, obviously I like seeing women in command of a starship, but there's a humanity and a measure to her in the way that she commands. And like, you know, this was in the last episode, but like when she comes out of that bridge of her ready room with the phaser pointing that at Michael Burnham, I mean, it is terrifying. There is a something that just projects through these two women acting together. And I just, I could not tear my eyes away from any scene the two of them were in. There is a spectacular moment that Michelle Yeoh does later on where, so, so she has uh, Burnham sent to the brig. Um, yep. They find, they find out that the brig section has had a hull breach. Mm-hmm. So they, mm-hmm. and, and you can see her, the pain on her face that that means that, you know, Burnham is gone. Cause even though she's just betrayed her and all of that, the fact is they've spent seven years together and she cares about her. And then the scene later where Burnham just kind of like shows up because she's gotten herself, she's talked the computer into saving her. <laughs> um, there is, there is a, reverse shot of of uh of uh, michelle yo's face just reacting to the fact that burnham isn't dead and you can see it on it's, it's a wonderful moment where she's so relieved that she didn't die amid all of the tension of what has happened between them you know put that aside seven years of friendship she's so relieved that she didn't die and it's a really great little bit of acting on her part i i, I love it i i imagine that depending on how star trek discovery goes in general this is this is prime spin-off media territory to the, they've got seven years of adventures with this crew that we only see for 
two episodes that they could tell in comics and books and things like that. So I bet we'll get some form of that for certain. And I, I wonder if there might be flashbacks down the road since they built all these sets and everything. Who knows? I don't know. I'm going to guess there will be, but uh, <laughs> I, I I can't read the future, everybody. Um, and so the yeah, well, let's talk about because I was thinking as I watched this episode at the end of it, I thought this has this has everything a classic episode of Star Trek has: uh, consoles exploding, uh, nameless uh, ship crew members dying, and someone talking a computer into doing something it doesn't want to do. Uh, <laughs> that's all you need, and you got a, you got yourself a Star Trek. <laughs> And so, yeah, Burnham is is stuck in the brig. The there's a big hole where uh, there used to be the rest of the brig, and uh, she has just gotten a pep talk from Sarek, and she says, "I need to get out of here." Computer, uh, lower the force field, and the computer says, "No, ethically, I can't do it because you'll die." And she says, "Well, I'm going to die if you don't do it." The computer's like working, uh, and. <laughs> And decides that, uh, it will, I like this. So she says, well, create, uh, if you create a meter wide hole in the force field, it'll shoot me out and then you can open the door and I'll be fine. And the computer says, okay. And like, does it instantly? Yeah. So, so thought, you like have a, a 46% chance of surviving. Here we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go. I'm a computer. I don't really care. Uh, but I like that a lot. And then she makes her way to the bridge, uh, where the, the battle is ended. The Klingons have decided, uh, this is not worth our time, I guess. Uh, let's get out of here. Um, and because uh, what's his name? Uh, Tukumva tells them to go tell tell the the Empire that uh, we're getting the band back together <laughs> and uh, we're going to kill the Federation. And all the Klingons are like, hooray, let's go do that. Uh, and so they do that, uh, leaving puzzled. One assumes now in my headcanon, because at this very moment on the Shenzhen, they're trying to figure out a way to blow up the, uh, the, the remaining Klingon ship. I can only imagine that on the other, like, five or six starships, there are captains that are also creating their own crazy plans to blow up this ship. <laughs> but we don't, we don't see any of those. Um, and I do like their plan, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, you uh, you didn't mention one of our, our flashbacks, which I thought was a flashback oh, too far, which is we learned that when Takufma was a kid, oh, he got... That's right. he got beaten up by other Klingons. Yeah, that was dumb. And so apparently Takuma... They want us to care about him an awful lot, and I just don't. Yeah, I don't. And he died. Spoiler alert. Another spoiler alert. He dies at the end, too. So what do we care? Uh, But he his claim to fame, apparently... Well, his claim to fame is he thinks he's Kaelas reborn. uh, But he got his cool ship because it was his father's. uh, And his father died and left it on a planet somewhere, I guess. And Takuma used to say hey klingon kids you can't play on this ship this is my ship and they're like well we'll beat you up instead uh and so now he wants to unite the empire i guess uh, it doesn't make yeah. any sense i don't know but that's his backstory backstory and then he, they have this weird scene at the end where he's talking to uh Vok, and Vok he says as he's dying to says what did we do as we what did we say as when we were kids and that made me think was Vok? and then they flash back to to Kuvma's childhood but Vok wasn't his childhood I think he friend, just meant like he this met. is a like a thing just in kids, general. Like a, it's almost like a nursery rhyme or something. It's like a thing that Klingon kids uh, say. Is well, how I, that I was a little confused. Uh, that makes more sense. And then he dies, and nobody cares. Uh, now Vok, one assumes, <laughs> is going to be very excited and spread the message of Tukovma everywhere. I, mean, I don't know. It seems to be conventional wisdom that everybody thought the Klingon stuff went on a little bit too long, and that yeah. having it be all entirely in Klingon with subtitles uh, was maybe a little yeah. bit Not too much. Do you guys agree? Both, yeah, in a bad yes. font, right? Like the whole 
whole time looking at him like, am I looking at a yeah. Gothic Bible from and, the 14th century? And small caps. In small caps, yeah. too. Not like upper and lowercase, yeah. but small caps. Not not yeah. my and, favorite. No. And, and Gothic Bibles from the 14th century are beautiful. This was not. So no. that's the problem. Uh, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, I like Klingons. I get it. I like the, as I said in our last episode, I like that they kind of baroque the Klingons up. So now they've got, you know, they're dripping with intricate designs and they they're they look they even put more yeah. makeup on their faces. I like it, uh, but I could have done without less uh, Klingonese, as they say. <laughs> and just just speak English; it's fine, or or we whatever language. We know that you're speaking Klingon, but although That's it looks right. like it looks like with the makeup that they used on them, when they do speak English, it's also hard it's to understand them. them. And I wonder yes. if they decided that look, this is not going to work in English. We just have to do it in Klingon and fake it because you, I can't understand what you're saying in English. We'd have to subtitle you in English, so we might as well do it in Klingon. You know, I would not be surprised if that's what happened because <laughs> because yeah. they don't they, they're hard to understand in any. It's like it's cool looking makeup, but it's very hard to understand what they're saying. That's true. And I think I think well, Tukumva is the one that speaks the most. The Klingon that speaks the most, and I feel like he has the most heavy, the heaviest makeup on. So I, I am hopeful because there are another, there are a couple scenes where he's talking to uh, a Klingon lady on the bridge, and she says, "Oh, the battle has been won," and it's very easy to understand what she's saying. Uh, although she's being Klingon, uh, and he's like, and you're like, "What? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand what you're saying." Tukumva, could you could right. you say that again? <laughs> And he's like, uh, whatever. I'll send you a text message. I, what, I, uh, what I like about the Klingon stuff, and I, you know, if you think about uh, original Star Trek, especially, is I appreciate the effort to uh, to understand what the Klingons are doing and why they're not just mm-hmm. baddies who've decided to show up and fight. They are. Uh, people with a culture and this is a you know this is a guy who is using kind of religious iconography and he's trying to come up with a pretense because he thinks that a war will unite his people and although it was long and I could have done with less of it I do appreciate that they're trying to give the Klingons motivation and depth and characters and so that Mm -hmm. they're not just kind of stock two-dimensional baddies that's good and I I hope that will carry through the series too. I mean, I the, the, the appeal of the Klingons has always kind of um, befuddled me. I mean, it's kind of – my theory with this has always been that the Klingons are kind of the the stereotypical, like, you know, jocks that, you know, antagonize the nerds, like, which would be Spock. And that was like the normal – that was like the original, like, you know, stress between these two cultures. But, like, as it's gone on, like, a lot of, especially guy Star Trek fans, seem to genuinely love the Klingons. And I've always been like, okay, I I get it, but I'm not really into it. I, I really agree with what you're saying here, Jason. I thought they went into their culture and their religion in a way that helped me connect a little bit more, even yeah. though it was all through subtitles. So, <laughs> I, I I hope that as it goes on, they can like have individual moments with these actors that can help you like connect with them a little bit more, you know, as an audience. Cause it, it felt like both an expansion of the Klingon culture, but also like um, kind of anodyne. Do you know what I mean? Like you felt yourself connecting while also not connecting at the same time. Yeah. We'll see. And a, what, we, yeah. We'll see. And, and I was I watched this with Marisa, and she made a point that I had not uh, made. But these these are some dour Klingons. Klingons are uh, generally well before this, right? They've been uh, you know they're they're warrior race, but they they really enjoy killing they're people. Kind of and gregarious, then they, they, and yeah. yes, and then they go off and they sing some opera they're, and they drink blood wine well, or Vikings, fruit juice, right? They're Vikings, whatever. basically. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And these guys, uh, although we've only seen a very, we spent a lot of time with Klingons uh, in these two episodes, but we've only spent time with a few Klingons. So uh, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you can extrapolate that all Klingons are like these are kind of zealot. Yeah, maybe religious, the religious Klingons. fundamentalist Klingons are no fun at parties. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's what I. That's my. That's my thinking there. Um, but so the the Shenzhen is Shen, Shen, Shen the ship yep. the ship is disabled, <laughs> ship. <laughs> and uh, Burnham has escaped the brig. She's up uh, back on the bridge. Uh, the captain is surprised, but happy to see that she's not dead. Everybody's happy. Uh, but now, oh no, the ship is going to get sucked into uh, the. Uh, uh, the the what debris field of the binary star cluster because the the impulse engines are down they're all going to die uh the captain says everybody brace for impact and there is some impact but it's the tractor beam and uh admiral hologram shows up and uh saves the day <laughs> uh seemingly uh by you know and this is the other thing that annoys me and in this episode they do both right now everybody's got holograms so they show up to hollow teleconference uh but then at the end to come sends out a message to everybody and it's on the view screen so i'm like well just make up your mind discovery is it a hologram or is it a view screen <laughs> but doesn't matter yeah i did he shows i did like that they try to show like the hologram technology is not great like they they actually like it keeps kind of flickering and flipping around to different perspectives like they're trying to put the hologram where you're looking at it but it doesn't go in the right place and i thought that was Mm -hmm. weird but yeah i mean star trek is all about view screens and holograms are cool but we've never really seen them in star trek so why start now especially since this is a prequel series so i was a little befuddled by why they weren't just showing people on screen even though it did look kind of cool the kids love holograms kids kids Uh, do you gotta (laughs) if you don't show them holograms at home they're gonna see them on the street that's right uh, parents talk to your kids about holograms uh but i think they, it was used well in this because so the admiral comes and he's like hey uh captain i i grabbed your ship it's cool uh let me hail the klingons uh and then he kind of like does a three-way conference call with the klingons uh and he's like hey uh let's stop uh fighting and let's talk and comes like okay that's cool uh and the admiral says like the, the probably the worst line in this entire episode when he's like because if we're not fighting we're not, if we're if we're fighting we're not talking and i was like oh someone turned this hologram off uh <laughs> and then to cover secretly uh is just using this as a, an excuse to show off that he does in fact have cloaking technology because a giant ship that apparently is designed to split starships in half appears and rams into uh what is it the uss europa mm-hmm. uh which is the admiral ship right. and the thing the reason i like the hologram in this instance is because we see the admiral like looking around and then it flickers out and he's like what's going on and we don't know what's happening turns out he's dead (laughs) i I was i was thinking about this as we were watching it like it seems like in star trek like the admiral for starfleet is always like a you always know they're going to show up and be a jerk store be a first class (laughs) jerk store i was trying to think of any admiral in starfleet history that wasn't a jerk store and i came up with uh the uh, the character played by uh the woman that uh is avasarla in the expanse she was also on 24 uh yeah her in uh star trek beyond uh that was the only non-jerk admiral i could think of like i was racking my brain about that every now and that Picard seemed to be chummy with a lot of admirals who were not that yeah. terrible. But you're right. Gen- yeah. Generally, <laughs> the Starfleet admirals are kind of like, oh, no, brother, here, stuff shirts. <laughs> like, 
and and this guy is 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 the worst. He's like, oh, I'll come and save the day with my af- aphorisms about how we, yep. you know, if you're not talking, you're not trying, and uh, yes. then he dies. He's just yep. horrible. Right. He's like, yeah. Did you think about hailing the Klingons and asking them not to kill you? Yes, <laughs> we did. <laughs> and so the Europa, the Europa destroys itself, destroys the giant Klingon ship. Um, and that's the last ship, and now everybody is once again uh, disabled. Uh, but now the captain, Captain Georgiou, is like, I am not letting this one ship go. We will destroy it. Uh, and Burnham's like, well, maybe we shouldn't, because then you'll make uh, Tecumva a martyr, so uh, why don't we go over and take him hostage? <laughs> uh, which seems like a bad idea. It turns out it is a bad idea. Uh, but you could understand the logic, I suppose. Uh, and so they have a good idea of um, you know transporting a, a photon torpedo into the corpse of a Klingon, because Tecumva's super into gathering corpses and putting them in coffins and putting them on a ship. Yeah, it seemed weird in the first episode, but kind of like a weird, cool detail. And here you're like, oh, I see. It's actually a weakness of his that they can exploit. And that was nice. I didn't see it coming. And I, I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. And they show it like beaming beaming the uh, just a warhead into a dead body before yes. it gets picked yeah. up so that they can get the shields down. I, I like the tactical... I, I like it when problems get reasoned out like this within the context of the show. Like, well, they've got shields. We can't really do it. How do we solve this? Here's a way uh-huh. through. Um, and it totally works. It's That's cool. That was a fun moment. of I, I like seeing yes. smart people solving problems. It's fun yeah. to see that. that. That's what Star Trek is all about. Uh, and I, I thought the, the scene of seeing the, the floating uh, Klingon corpses being caught up in the tractor beams was kind of cool, too. Yeah, oh, it was um, gorgeous. Just cinematography-wise, uh, it was stunning. It was one of the most mm-hmm. gorgeous shots I've ever seen in a Star Trek. Oh, it's, it's true. I also, never nice thought I would have... Agree- color, right? Because, like, the yes. tra- like Federation They're tractor green. beams are blue and Klingon tractor beams are green. And that's, yeah, that's, that was cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, it works. Uh, the Klingon... The, the, uh, dead corpsicle uh photon torpedo blows up and the ship gets cracked in half uh and that's when they decide well let's just beam two people over uh who are <laughs> you know the captain oh, and the first officer so, in grand star trek tradition right before this so before they do the 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 photon torpedo plan they do this other plan where they're gonna like they're gonna use a oh, little that's right. a little uh, runabout thing a little space uh, worker bee yeah the, to to take them over and blow them up and uh, Georgiou, uh says she's going to do it and it's very much like they're setting you up for that oh well we know she's not going to make it out of this she's not regular in the show this is right. how she's going to go out and then they come up with a better idea and she, and, and, she, and she's like alright well then I won't I won't go on the suicide mission great <laughs> and like, so she, maybe she'll survive or, or maybe not oh, she doesn't it's sad I did think I thought it was a really cool idea I just wondered why did they only do one why didn't they beam a whole bunch of photon torpedoes into there are a lot of corpses uh, but you know it's a quibble uh, maybe it takes a lot of time to set it up the photon yeah, torpedo that that's way that's the trouble with quibbles scott <laughs> <laughs> oh two points uh, to house snell <laughs> uh and then so they transport over uh burnham and georgiou uh transport over to the klingon ship onto the bridge because it seems like a foolproof foolproof idea that you would send your captain and your first officer onto a ship full of giant warriors uh to kidnap their messiah uh it seems like it should be easy (laughs) 
Uh, it, it very, doesn't go. Very, very much planned. like J.J. Abrams' Star Trek feel, right? That's the cl- the mm-hmm. climax of that movie is yeah. is Kirk and Spock yeah. beaming into the into the Romulan ship and 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 running around. And it's exciting. I get. I mean, I I went it with is. it because they're desperate, and I don't even know how many people are left on on the Shenzhou at this point. So they're like, we're That's true. we're just going to do this, and it's their their kind of wild idea. Because um, their idea is that they're going to kidnap Takuvma and take him away and use him as a prisoner, and you, take him prisoner, humiliate him, and humiliate him. But um, uh-huh. it doesn't work out. No, he uh, Vok. Uh, they kill a bunch, of, a couple of Klingons looking for Takuvma. Uh, Vok sneaks up on um, Burnham, and they have a fight that ends with I think Burnham sticks her finger in his eye. <laughs> I couldn't really yeah, it was get that cool. choreography. Yeah. Something happened there. Uh, but while that's happening, uh, and, and Captain Georgiou looks over, which I thought, mm, that's probably not a good idea, out comes uh, to come from for the shadows, and they start tussling. Uh, and they have a, an exciting fight, and... Uh, Michelle Yu is uh, stabbed by Tecumva. Actually, well, oh. Captain George Yu is stabbed by yes. Tecumva. <laughs> Michelle Yu is fine, She's everybody. Fine. She's, She's fine. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was uh, so heartbroken when this happened. I was. I knew she wasn't. Like, the moment you see special guest star, you're like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. darn, this isn't going to go well. But then she this does the suicide mission, and, and, and right. they're like, no, no, you can stay oh, alive. And I'm like, yay, oh, we have yay. Yay. Oh, so And then no. I'm like, and I know it's false hope. Right, and I'm like, she's not gonna get stabbed. Oh, she's stabbed, but she may still be alive. They're gonna yep. get her. Nope, they're teleporting away. It was just disaster. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. There was that one layer of well, we don't. Uh, Saru calls and says, I don't, I don't sense. Uh, I don't. I'm not picking up life signs for Captain George Hewitt. You think? Well, maybe it's just weak, and uh, <laughs> they'll transport her over, and it'll be fine. And then he's, she's like, uh, uh, what's it? Burnham says, well, the captain. I'm not leaving without the captain's body. And Saru is like, well. If she's dead, I'm beaming you back because uh, you're on a Klingon ship, dude. Uh, and he does. Yeah. And you're like, no, she's not coming back. <laughs> oh. uh, but before she, before, uh, so uh, Burnham sees uh, to come uh, kill uh, 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 Captain Georgiou, she uh, overrides her logic because she is, in fact, not a Vulcan and shoots to come, which is was the whole thing they were trying to avoid yep. and kills him. Uh, because she's so upset, clearly, uh, and it makes perfect sense why she would be. Uh, but I, I think they're, they want you to see that she was, you know, she is still a human, despite her, her Vulcan upbringing. And then she gets very sad and tries to get to the body, but she's transported back. Um, and it's everybody's sad because the cat is dead. Uh, and then, uh, do we just, then, is that where it just cuts to the, Court martial, or is there another scene that I forgot? Well, you see the the escape pods dressing out. Oh, that's the, right. Uh, yes, they the they abandon. Yeah, yeah. abandon the Shenzhou, and uh, I, that is the last we will see of it, unless we see flashbacks. And then we get this very strange scene, which we talked about, uh, which is the the darkened room, <laughs> the star chamber. They, where exactly justice that. happens, apparently. <laughs> That's right. Anonymous justice. justice. You can't know the admirals that judge you, uh, which seems totally not Star Trekky. Although yeah. I guess, uh, or Starfleety, I should say. Also, there's no uh, bell, don't they? Aren't they supposed to ring a bell during oh, court yeah, martial? There is a lot of bells in court martials. Uh, maybe they just didn't have time to uh, come up with the their stupid variant of the admirals' dress yeah. uh, uniform, so they just put everyone <laughs> in darkness, so we couldn't see it yet. Uh, but then she's found guilty. So I was, I mean, there are a lot of shocking things that happened in the first episode, but I was totally shocked, as I said uh, earlier, 
that she was court-martialed and sentenced to life imprisonment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I thought they would say, you know, you did some bad... Uh, Captain Kirk has done all kinds of crazy stuff. And then they say, well, you know, you, 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 get, you broke all these regulations, but you saved the universe. Exactly. So it's okay. And she, you know, she beat... She blew up the Klingon ship. She was right at the beginning. You should have given them the Vulcan hello. Uh, but it uh, doesn't turn out well for her. She gets shipped off somewhere. Uh, Rora Pente, perhaps, which is a Klingon no, penal colony, so probably, probably not. not but. Unless they trade her for other prisoners or something <laughs> like that. Seems unlikely. No, and I mean, and if you if you did watch, immediately after that, it fades out, and before you even get yes. like an ex- executive producer credit or, or credits of any kind, they're like, here's what's coming up on Star Trek Discovery, and it includes the suggestion that, you know, that I, I think without spoiling too much to say that the next episode clearly seems to start with her basically in custody so it's yeah. not that mm-hmm. they you know but you know we'll we'll see where it goes from I there would obviously say, turn it off rip- at that point i, I think I'm you're not right. somebody that's really yes. strong about spoilers like i can i can enjoy a, a story if i know generally where it's gonna go but i i strongly feel i would have enjoyed next week's episode more if i'd not seen that little scene because it it really spells out everything that's gonna happen next and yeah. i just i wish i didn't know it like part of breaking bad that makes it where you can't take your eyes off of it is it just goes from scene to scene in places you just could not have guessed in a billion years. <laughs> I, I think it's yeah, true. They, they had the courage to tell this story with this first two hours that has no star, no USS Discovery in it. And yep. it really is about Burnham and what went on before when she made these mistakes and now that she has to live them down. She made these choices in her life and she caused this war to start or inflamed it or something. She's involved in it and, and blamed for it, perhaps. And that was all courageous to, to be like, you know, we're going to do that. We're going to tell this story and we're not going to start in the usual place. Um, but then they were obviously somebody was afraid <laughs> that they were going to confuse everybody. So they rolled a whole big promo thing that says, no, no, the discovery is coming. Jason Isaacs, he's in next week. So just stay tuned. It's like, all right. That's right. You, you, they, so, you you know, you tell your story one way and then your marketing team says, no, that's no, we're not going to let you do that. <laughs> People need to know that she's not going to be in prison for the next 10 episodes. That would be a weird show, right? Like Prison Break, Star Trek, Prison Break? I'd watch Law & Order, like Star Trek, all about Star Trek smoking uh, no light court. That's right. It's night court. It's night court. (laughs) Oh, man, I want to see Star Trek Night Court Edition. It's been, and the Lowell, reason it's, smoke, it, it's hazy in there is because Dan Fielding is in the corner with a cigar. <laughs> it's weird. Oh, Dan Fielding, Ferengi. Mm. Uh, that's that's just what I'm my my dream casting. Uh, so that's that's the second episode of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we I think I agree with the assessment that not as good as the first episode, but I still think it's probably as best viewed as a whole yeah. so watch the first episode watch the second episode immediately afterwards uh and it's much it's 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 a good yeah story yeah all in one it so is you excited? so rewarding to see star trek back <laughs> on the air and better than i mean i don't see how this doesn't end up being my favorite star trek that's ever been out there um i mean assuming they keep the focus on the characters I, I think this will go down as one of the best ones ever done. I, my one criticism would be this was, it was television Star Trek in the sense it was more about characters than big explosions. But at the same time, there was very, very, very little science fiction 
in this. Uh, so I want to see them like take some science fiction elements and, you know, put that in the forefront. I think the expanse does a really good job of yeah. you know, taking James S. A. Corey's like really, really hard science fiction and boiling it down to television. Uh, and I just, I want to see that direction, but overall this is just stunning, you know? Um, and the other thing I'll say is, it feels like everything gets so quickly politicized these days. And, you know, when I first saw this show, obviously seeing like two women of color on a starship bridge being the main characters is really, really fulfilling. Um, and that's awesome. But I've really thought about it. And like, I don't want that to be the focus of what I talk about with this show. I think like actors get to go out there and like, have these characters and put their best work into it. And I kind of just want to do that with Michael Burnham and just let her, let her tell her story and kind of try to keep politics out of a a bit, if that makes sense to y'all. Yep. I I agree. Yeah. We don't, politics doesn't need to be in everything. Can't we just have (laughs) one space where we don't need to worry about politics, even though uh, it is clear that you could easily draw many political uh, 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 stories and and parallels from these episodes to our current situation. But I won't because I don't want to. (laughs) We we already talked about episode one and and mentioned how Takuvma wants to make Klingons great again. So we already went. (laughs) He does. We didn't want to go there. We we don't need to. It's a great show. Great show. It is. I'm looking forward to it. Jason, are you excited? I am looking Looking forward to the, to next week. I am very excited. Uh, I think it is fun. Uh, they are making a modern Star Trek. I, I'm looking forward to taking the ride of of getting to tell these character moments that a Star Trek series can do that um, uh, it's harder for a movie to do, but also have kind of this modern serialized storytelling that um, you know TV TV's changed a lot since Enterprise went off the air, and yeah. uh, and we're seeing a modern Star Trek here, and I'm excited. I'm I'm much happier about it then well I, I not to take a shot at the orville but i'll just say i would oh. rather see a show trying to do modern star trek than a show that is trying to pay homage to a 30 year old tv show even oh. though i liked that 30 year old tv show it's 2017 and this feels like 2017 star trek i've tried well, so not- hard to not hate that show i've watched it as the <laughs> least bad seth MacFarlane thing i've ever seen that's yeah. it's and i, I it's funny because i love the shows it's based on but i just watched the third episode tonight i'm like yeah i'm out i'm done yeah. i can't do yeah. this anymore <laughs> yeah. um, before, I just, before we jump sure. off jason i did want to say this when we sat down to watch this something i've heard you say on like four or five podcasts now, and it was on my mind the whole time before we started this was you, know, you talking about the story of um, like when they picked up Doctor Who and they had like a, a very specific like feeling that they wanted with it. Like, oh, I want to do Doctor Who, but you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. And I think that I mean, I don't, I can't think of a genre that they really tied this to, but I do think they brought it into a modern format and really brought the best lessons of bingeable television to Star Trek. Um, you know, Enterprise in its fourth season got pretty good at like the three episode format. Like it did a bunch of episodes that season there. I think this has really taken like what you're talking about, putting a modern twist on Star Trek. It's not just a random play every week by a new science fiction writer. Um, this is really bingeable television. But we will binge it weekly. <laughs> I, I was curious, yes, CBS says, uh, not so fast with your binging. <laughs> we like to draw it out. Yep. Oh. Uh, 
I will agree. Uh, although I do, I do thank CBS for their decision because I would have stayed up very late yep. watching it all. Yep. Uh, so thank you, Les Moonves. Uh, we. <laughs> Unless we trust, that's what I say. Sure. Uh, and while I'm handing out thanks, thank you, Brianna Wu, for joining us to talk about the second episode of Star Trek Discovery. Happy to be here. I've got young Sheldon to go watch with my oh boy. CBS All Access Pass. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Yeah. You got the whole history of the Good Wife, so you know, you just dip back oh, into yeah. the archives. Watch. People, uh, I, I'm going to take a moment to. Uh, I stand for the Good Wife. You, if you are paying for CBS All Access, you should watch. The Good Wife. Is it's it a good? fantastic show. Is the good it fight? It's really is, good. Is the good yeah. fight good? Scott, have you seen the that? The good fight is also good, but you should watch The Good Wife first and right. then watch The Good Fight. Uh, <laughs> it's in the good universe. Just trust me. Okay. It's in the, the that's good, right. The good uh, place, by the way, not related. No, it is a different universe okay. altogether. But after uh, I watch Young Sheldon, right? Like, get all yes, those. Yes, well, you have to do that first, right. of okay. course, okay. because that that is like... Binge uh, all one of... episode of Young Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> just just watch it in a loop over and over again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, That's my weekend. <laughs> and speaking of loops, uh, thank you, Jason Snell, for joining me. Thank you, Scott McNulty. Thank you, <laughs> Scott McNulty. Ah, I see what you did there. And thank you for listening to Vulcan Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Vulcan Goodbye! <laughs>